pray that you would speak to our hearts right now as we study your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Jeremiah here is given the word of the Lord to a nation that has rejected him. The prophets have been on the scene. Isaiah was on the scene before Jeremiah, and he was ministering to the house of Israel, the ten northern tribes, and also the house of Judah. And of course, the house of Israel has already gone off into captivity some hundred years before uh, this time here that Jeremiah is speaking to the house of Judah. They, they were taken captive by the Assyrians. And we know that Jeremiah, as he is ministering and, and speaking the word of the Lord, he said to Judah that your sin is worse than your sister Israel because you saw what happened to Israel because of their disobedience and their idol worship. And they were taken off into captivity. You should have known better. And here we see that as the last of the godly kings was uh, Josiah, he was killed by the, uh, the Egyptians there in northern Israel that the last four kings that came on the scene uh, would be ruling, and we're going to talk about them more specifically as we go through chapter 21 and then also 22. But we know that the nation went, went right back after the reforms of Josiah, and Josiah was a godly king. And, and he instituted temple worship, cleaned up the temple, brought the priests back. He ordered the Ark of the Covenant be put back into the Holy of Holies. They celebrated Passover, and it tells us in the Old Testament that there was not a Passover celebrated like that since the days of the judges. It was absolutely amazing. But it was it was. Uh, reforms more than anything. And, and then after the death of Josiah, the people went right back into full-blown full idol worship. They went back into uh, worshiping the false idols, uh, listening to the false teachers and prophets that were on the scene saying it's prosperity, it's peace. We have seen going through these chapters so far, Jeremiah, that they were given over to immorality and violence and greediness and covetousness and they were ripping each other off. The, the nation is sick spiritually and as they were worshiping those false idols, they were even sacrificing their own children on the arms of Baal and Moloch in the Gehenna Valley, there south of Jerusalem. And so here is Jeremiah speaking honestly and very boldly and courageously the word of the Lord to them saying, because of, of your refusal to turn to the Lord, that you're going to go off into captivity. And, and we know that Jeremiah, as at the end of chapter 19, we saw that he was there. He stood at the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people there, as people were bringing their idols into the Lord's house and into the courtrooms of the temple, this is Solomon's temple, and, and he said that you uh, have been stiff-necked um, and you're not listening to the Lord. Uh, behold, I'm going to bring on this city and all her towns, says the Lord, all the doom that I have pronounced against it. Because you have hardened your heart. Whenever you read that term, you stiffen your neck. It, it talks about a, and means uh, and has a meaning of hardening your heart towards the Lord in his word. And that's what they were doing. And then last week as we went over chapter 20, that there was Pasher. And uh, he was the chief governor in the house of the Lord. And Jeremiah, again, is speaking those words of, of judgment that's going to come to a nation. Now, Pasher and, and the leaders 
spiritually were preaching prosperity. They were preaching peace. Nothing's going to happen to us. They didn't like what Jeremiah was saying. So what they did is they struck Jeremiah. They began to persecute him. Uh, they, they struck him. They put him in stocks. Uh, he would be in stocks. It would be very painful for Jeremiah all night long, probably in a place near the house of the Lord where people will come by and they, they would uh, mock Jeremiah. We know that in chapter 20, we last uh, time we saw that Jeremiah, uh, that he says, everyone mocks me, and, and I shout out violence and plunder. And so he's going through a tough time, and he was in those stocks all night long, and Pasher and the leaders thought, if, if we do this to Jeremiah, then he'll shut up, and that'll teach him a lesson. So they, they let him out of the stocks, and Jeremiah continues to preach very boldly. He says, your name, Pasher, which means prosperity, is going to be changed to Magar Misabib, which means fear on every side, terror on every side. And what's going to happen is that you and your family are going to be taken off to Babylon, and you're going to die there in Babylon. And it's the first time that Jeremiah has specifically said that it's going to be the Babylonians that are going to come and destroy this city, and you're going to be taken off to Babylon where you are going to die, you and your friends and you and your family who have prophesied lies. So Jeremiah is interesting. As we discussed last week, Jeremiah very boldly, he, he's preaching. He's given the word of the Lord very courageously. But then we see that he, as we ended last week, he's struggling. And he's struggling, and he begins to say, Lord, that you induced me. You, you, you tricked me into ministry. And, and as everyone is mocking me, and it's, uh, it's nothing but trouble and shame. And in verse 18 we read of chapter 20, he says, Why did I even come forth from the womb? It's been nothing but difficulties. I'm being persecuted. Uh, I've been faithful to you to give the word. But it has been um, something that has been very hard. And I'm not going to speak the word of the Lord anymore, even as he would say in this chapter. Jeremiah says, I'm going to be quiet. But then he goes on to say that the word of God burned in my heart and, and I, I couldn't keep it in. It burned in my heart. Uh, his word was in my heart like a burning fire, verse 9. Uh, shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Jeremiah said, I had to give the word of God. Have you ever felt that way? Where you're giving truth to your children, to your family, to friends, uh, co-workers, whoever, and they make fun of you, they come down on you, uh, they give you a hard time, maybe you're persecuted to some degree, but you think, I'm just going to shut up, I'm not going to say anything, but the word of God burns in your heart. And you know you've got to give truth. You've got to keep praying for them. You've got to keep speaking God's uh, truth to them and the gospel message. And that's what Jeremiah uh, is saying. And, and so Jeremiah is up and he's down. And he says, the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. And, and my persecutors are not going to prevail against me. But then he goes on to say, curses the day that I was born. And so he's up and down. He's a man of passion. He's a man of emotion. And you see, we can feel the same way. God knows our frame. He knows but we are but dust. And as Jeremiah is saying, why did I even come forth from the womb to see nothing but toil and sorrow? And the answer is no, Jeremiah. 
because I have a very special purpose for your life, and that is to be used of me. You see, we can go through times like that, and we can go through seasons like that, and, and, and maybe you're going through it right now, a, a season where you're up and you're down, and, and one day you're doing good and you're speaking boldly and, and faith is there, but then all of a sudden your faith begins to falter. Maybe uh, you become afraid and fear begins to grip your heart and whatever the case may be. And you might be thinking, Lord, what is life all about? Listen, you are here for such a time as this. So am I and so is this church. And I'm being reminded continually and constantly that we are here for a purpose. And it's no accident that we are here. We are here for such a time as this. And he wants to use us. And he wants to use you. And he loves you. Sometimes I think, Lord, you're going to fire me because I can be so wishy-washy or weak in my faith or uh, murmuring in my spirit or full of fear. And he says, no, I want you to look to me and trust in me and rest in my love. I have things for you to do. I have a plan for you. I've prepared a work for you before you were even born, Jeremiah. And he said the same thing to Paul the Apostle. And it's the same with us because we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works before him that he should prepare them that you and I just being used of the Lord. And he'll help us. He'll strengthen us as we look to him. So as we go into chapter 21, we see that as we begin to read, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, when King Zedekiah sent to him Pasher, the son of Melchiah and Sephaniah, and the son of Mehaseiah, the priest, saying, Please inquire of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to the king, uh, according to his wonderful works, that the king may go away from us. So here's what's happening. Zedekiah was the last of the kings of Judah before the final assault on Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is destroyed. Solomon's temple is destroyed. Now when Jeremiah has been speaking that there's going to be great death and destruction and devastation, he's talking about that third assault. You see, after Josiah, that godly king, uh, he had three of his sons that ruled and a grandson that ruled before the final assault. And after the, the death of, of Josiah there by the king of Egypt, as I mentioned, you can read about that in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, that his son Jehoahaz became the king, but he was only king for three months when Egypt took him away captive back to Egypt. And then uh, Jehoiakim uh, became king, and Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years. And we talked a little bit about him. He's the one that, as Jeremiah, we're going to see, brings the word of the Lord to him and, and uh, prophesying against Jehoiakim and, and against Judah. And he takes his knife out, Jehoiakim, and he chops it up and throws it in the fire. He reigned for 11 years, and he reigned uh, during the first assault when Nebuchadnezzar came in and took Daniel and the choice men of Judah away captive and began to take the, the treasuries of the temple of the Lord's house away back to Babylon as well. And Jehoiakim would reign 
to the second assault, 597 BC, where he is then taken off into captivity to Babylon as well. And as well as, um, as Ezekiel, he's taken during that second wave of captivity where he begins to prophesy there in Babylon. Then Jehoiakim, with an N, he reigns for three months. He's taken off to Babylon. And then Zedekiah reigns for the last 11 years before this final assault on Babylon. And all four of them were ungodly kings. Uh, Zedekiah was uh, a wicked king that led the nation into idol worship for 11 years. And so this prophecy here in chapter 21 is probably taking place around 587 B.C., when they knew that the Babylonian army was coming to camp around Jerusalem, and, and the reason was is because Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. That was something that you didn't do. And what we're going to see as we continue through the book of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah is going to say to Zedekiah, and he's going to say to the other leaders, matter of fact, uh, of Moab and Ammon and some of the other nations, they're going to get together and, and Jeremiah goes to them and says, don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. He's powerful, and if you just submit to him, you'll be in bondage to him. You'll be under his power, but at least it'll be peaceable. But if you rebel against him, it's going to be bad news because Nebuchadnezzar, particularly as you read the book of Daniel, he was a hothead, and he has a powerful army, and, and Zedekiah... He rebels against Nebuchadnezzar, and that's where Nebuchadnezzar said, that's it. I'm going to surround Jerusalem, destroy the city, and destroy Solomon's temple. And, and there was great death and destruction. So what happened was Zedekiah did what the kings before him did, and he hoped to secure help from Egypt. And perhaps that rings a bell with you because that's what happened when Isaiah was ministering, that it was the house of Israel, it was a Judah that would look to Egypt, they would look to Ethiopia to help them against the mighty Assyrians. And in Isaiah chapter 30, a familiar chapter for many of you, that it was the Lord that said, Woe to the rebellious children of Israel, for you seek counsel, but not of me. Why are you going to Egypt? Egypt in the Old Testament is a picture of the world. And, and as he says, you go to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's not going to give you the wisdom and be able to help you against the Assyrians. And those fast Arabian horses, they're not going to help you either. It's all going to be in vain. And of course, as, as I've mentioned this before, because there's such a powerful lesson in Isaiah chapter 30. He says, and come unto me and in rest and in confidence that, that, that that's what you are to do. You are to, first of all, come to me. And then second of all, you wait on me. And then thirdly, you're going to hear from me. I'll be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Go to the right and go to the left. And maybe right now you need counsel. You need God's wisdom. And I would encourage you, you go to him. He says, in coming to me in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And he will, as you're waiting on him, and perhaps you're waiting on him right now to lead you in some area of your life, as you are uh, trying to hear from the Lord, uh, what job I should get, what should I do for my business, I need to make decisions. And it's hard to wait on the Lord, but he promises that he'll be gracious to those who wait on him, and he'll be good to those who wait on him. 
and you will hear from him. That voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And here is Zedekiah going again to Egypt, to the world. Listen, the Lord is our wisdom, our hope, our strength. And he desires to help us in whatever situation that you are in. As you go to him, as you wait on him, you will hear from him. So he went to Egypt to no help and, and to no prevail. And the king's back is against the wall. And he sends Sephaniah here and Pasher, Pasher the one in the previous chapter that put Jeremiah in stocks and, and beat him and and persecuted him they all of a sudden they come to Jeremiah uh, and you need to go to Jeremiah and seek uh, the Lord on you know through Jeremiah on our behalf maybe he'll give a word that the Lord will fight for Judah uh, maybe thinking that God will do what uh, he did with the Assyrians the last time that Jerusalem was surrounded remember during Hezekiah's day as you read there in the book of Isaiah that there's Shennacherib and, and the king of Assyria, the threatening the people of Judah. They had pretty much taken all of Judah and Jerusalem was left. And all of a sudden, one night, then an angel came and destroyed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And Hezekiah was a godly king. Hezekiah was one that he would uh, take the threats as the Shennacherib uh, presented him a letter from the king of Assyria mocking him and threatening him and telling him to surrender. And he put it out before the Lord in the temple of the Lord. And they prayed and they sought the Lord and the Lord delivered them. Zedekiah has no interest in really seeking the Lord. Uh, he's here, his back against the wall. And, and it's going to be the message that's going to be given here that, listen, the Lord's not going to fight for you, Zedekiah and Judah. The Lord's going to fight against you. But there's a couple things that I want to pass along as I consider this. Here are these two guys that had previously been persecuting Jeremiah, and all of a sudden they come to him. The king says, you go and, and, in verse 2, and, and please inquire of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, as I read verse 2 again, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with this according to all his wonderful works that the king may go away from us. The king was not going to go away from them. But sometimes those who perhaps, and just a thought here, that those who have persecuted you and come down on you, that when things get really bad and their backs are up against the wall, that as they know that you are one, that you have the reality of Jesus in your heart, they know there's something different about you. That you have the joy of the Lord and you have the wisdom of the Lord and maybe they've made fun of you and come down on you and, and said harsh words to you. But sometimes those people end up showing up and saying, hey, you know, what does the Lord have to say? What does your Bible have to say? And it's an opportunity to minister to them. Now, here Jeremiah is going to speak words of judgment to them. But there are opportunities for us that perhaps that person who's been rotten to you, that they really sincerely want to hear from the Lord. They, they, they want to know. 
It reminds me a little bit in Daniel later after this, when Daniel is in captivity in chapter 5, there's the king, Belshazzar, that is having a toast in, uh, to the Babylonian gods out of the vessels that were taken from the house of the Lord in Jerusalem to Babylon. And all of a sudden, the handwriting was on the wall. The finger of God wrote, Mini, mini, tekel, you farsen. And, and they call for the wise men, call for the astrologers, the magicians. Can you interpret it? They couldn't. And Daniel, the man from Jerusalem, a man full of the wisdom of God, incredible man, he comes out and he interprets the handwriting. And there are going to be people that want you to interpret the handwriting. They see it on the wall. What's happening to this world? What's it all leading to? And I pray that, that as we do minister to them, that their hearts would be open and their hearts would be soft to hear what you have to say. Now, Zedekiah, he's going to go off, and we're going to see that Jeremiah gives a harsh word, even as it was uh, Daniel that said to Belshazzar that this night you're going to be killed by the Medes and the Persians, and, and your kingdom is going to fall, Belshazzar. And that's indeed what happened. But here, it also reminds me that as Galatians chapter 6 declares that God will not be mocked, don't be deceived. Whatever a man sows, shall he shall reap. And if you sow seeds to the flesh of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow seeds to the spirit of the spirit, you're going to reap to everlasting life. And so here Jeremiah is going, you know, you're going to end up reaping this, this judgment that's going to come because you have rebelled against the Lord. Is verse 3, he said to, thus you shall say to Zedekiah, thus says the Lord God of Israel, behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that uh, are in your hands with which you fight against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans who besiege you outside the walls and I will assemble them in the midst of this city, and I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and fury with great wrath. In verse 6, I will strike the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast, and they shall die of a great pestilence. In verse 7, and afterwards says the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, his servants, and the people, and such as are left in this city from the pestilence and the sword and the famine into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of their enemies, into the hand of those who seek their life, and he shall strike them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them or have pity or mercy. It's going to be bad news, really bad news, because you have turned against the Lord and you've refused to turn back. And actually, God's going to fight against you, and doom is coming. Sad portion of Scripture. And in verse 8, Now you shall say to this people, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. I have that verse underlined in my Bible. Because they had turned away against God. Uh, the Lord says to the people, Here's a choice for you. If you want to live or if you want to die, if you want to live, then surrender. And you will see that Jeremiah is going to give that message. Listen, surrender to him. Don't rebel. And we're going to see that Jeremiah is going to get in trouble for that message because the surrender was treason. And they saw Jeremiah as siding with Babylon. 
So you have a choice, the way of life or the way of death. And Zedekiah chose the way of death. And we're going to see as we continue through Jeremiah that he gives the warning, Zedekiah, don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar or else this is what's going to happen. And he ignored that. But as I read this verse, it reminds me of something. That from Genesis to Revelation, there is a message that is given in the scriptures of the way of life and the way of death. And what I mean by that, Adam, if you eat of that tree, if you eat of that tree, of that fruit, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And Adam ate of it and death came. Death came in a fallen world. And of course, Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 that sin and death came through Adam to every man. So we are ones that we have that sin nature we're born with. And the wages of sin is death. And so there is the way of death and there is the way of life. And that is something that is a message throughout the scriptures but even though as Adam was told that you shall surely die in Genesis chapter 3, the first promise of Messiah was given. He didn't leave us without any hope. And it is, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed as he's speaking to the serpent. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He's going to crush your head, serpent, Satan. You're going to bruise his heel. The Messiah is going to come, and he's going to suffer and die. And I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And that seed being Jesus Christ that would come. He is the way of life. And we know that the Bible, is, as we look at the Bible, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. And Jesus would also go on to say that whoever has the Son has life, but whoever does not have the Son, the wrath of God abides on him. We're going to see in Matthew's gospel here in, in a short time that, that Jesus is going to declare that broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many go by it, and narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. So we need to make sure that as we talk with others, listen, that they understand that there's a way of life and that there's a way of death. Even as it was uh, Joshua that told the children of Israel at the end of the book of Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day. And you see, we need to make that message clear to our children and to the people around us. Because so much of the message today is, oh, it doesn't matter what you believe. You know, as long as you're sincere, as long as you're religious. You know, we all worship God in different ways. And, and we need to make it clear there is a way of life and there's a way of death. And Jesus is life. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He is the life. And we need to make it clear in a very loving way, but in a very plain and honest way. That those who reject him, that there is death. There is eternal death. That Jesus is our only hope. He is our salvation. And Jesus provided that because of his love for you 
and for this world and went to a cross and died for our sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God of eternal life comes through Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that he didn't leave us without any hope. And that's a message during this time where it's talking about darkness and death and people dying and the statistics and all of this. But listen, we have a message of life to give to others. And that is Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you. And forgiveness and salvation is available through him alone as you understand that the wages of sin is death and we've all sinned. And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins. And on that cross, as he took atonement for our sins, all of our sins were placed upon him. And he shed his blood for forgiveness of sin. And then he cried out, it is finished. I did the work. And he was put into a tomb and he rose again and he's alive. Sometimes people say, well, why, you know, is Jesus the only way to salvation? He's the only one that conquered sin and death. No other religious leader did that. Confucius didn't. Buddha didn't do it. Muhammad didn't do it. No spiritual guru did it. Only Jesus Christ conquered sin and death. There's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. And that's what makes Christianity true and reliable and unique. Because every other religious leader is in the tomb. They're buried. Their bodies, their bones are still there. Only Jesus Christ conquered death and sin by rising from the grave and validating what he did on the cross. That is the way of life. And he desires to give life to those who call upon his name. But also as we live for him, listen, Christian, today, Paul, as he was writing to the Corinthian church, he said, to be carnally minded is is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I hope and pray that during this time that we wouldn't, and perhaps you got your backs to the wall, and perhaps you're feeling the pressure and you're up and down, that we wouldn't turn to the carnally-minded things and going to Egypt, but we would be spiritually-minded, and that's where you're going to find life, life coming back into your heart and into your soul. And that's where you're going to find peace because he's the prince of peace. And he desires as we go to him, being anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This really struck me. Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Listen, come to Jesus for salvation and you come to Jesus for that abundant life that he has for you, a life of peace and, and, and a life of joy and a life of wisdom as you look to him and surrender to him and walk with him. And as we finish the chapter, he who remains in the city, verse 9, shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. But he who goes out and defects to the Chaldeans who besiege you, he shall live, and his life shall be a prize to him. For I have set my face against this city for uh, adversity and 
not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given to the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. So again, there's going to be great uh, devastation, starving in the city, people dying. And in verse 11, and concerning the house of the king of Judah, say, hear the word of the Lord, O house of David, thus says the Lord, execute judgment in the morning, and deliver him who is plundered. Out of the hand of the oppressor, let my fury go forth like fire, and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Behold, I am against you, O inhabitant of the valley, and rock of the plain, says the Lord, who say, who shall come down against us, or who shall enter our dwellings, in verse 14, but I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, says the Lord. I will kindle a fire in its forest, and it shall devour all things around it. So a message to the house of David, don't think you're safe because you are not. And here is he gives a message to the house of David that captivity is going to come and doom is going to come because of your rejection of my word given to you. Father, we ask that as we end here tonight and in this study that it would be a time right now, right now for all of us in a way, to choose the way of life, the way of death. For the Christian, listen, maybe you have been more carnally minded and you're just sensing a dying in your spirit and in your faith, that the Lord tonight says, turn back to me, surrender to me. Here the message was given, surrender to the Babylonians and you'll live, your life will be a price to you. Listen, putting those things which are behind, pressing on forward to the things which are ahead, I press on to the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Keep moving forward in the Lord. Look to him. He loves you. Don't lose hope. We don't have a lost hope. We have a living hope. And his promise is still true to us, given to us, his provision and joy and peace and strengthening us and helping us. He cares about your needs. He cares about your family. He cares about your problems to provide for you and to bless you in every way. Will you turn to him? Don't turn to Egypt. Don't turn to carnally-minded things. You turn to the Lord and rest in his love for you. And as you go to him will be your strength and quietness and confidence. And as you wait on him, he's going to speak to you clearly. He's going to guide you and strengthen you. But I also want to pray if there's anyone here listening tonight that you've made, never made a decision for Jesus Christ, that he went to the cross to die for your sins and he rose again. He is your salvation. There is none other. And the Bible says that as you come in faith, confessing that you're a sinner in need of him to be forgiven and to believe in him and to give your life to him, call upon him to sit upon the throne of your heart, your life as Lord and Savior, that you are promised eternal life, a new beginning, a new heart to come into the family of God and have real relationship with the Father. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Will you make that decision if it means anything to anyone listening right now? And you can come simply by faith, just as you are, that Jesus, I come to you. And I believe you died for my sins and I confess that I have sinned. I've missed the mark. Forgive me. 
And I ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for bringing me into the family of God. And I do want to know you and walk with you. To be strengthened by you. And Lord, I thank you for this new beginning in the family of God. For your love and provision for me in Jesus' name. And listen, if you prayed that prayer, get a hold of us. We'd love to follow up with you, bless you any way that we can. Next week, we'll go into chapter 22. Again, such important lessons for us going through the book of Jeremiah. Sunday, we'll be continuing in the Sermon on the Mount uh, this Memorial Weekend. And I uh, hope you join us for that, 9.30. Be sure to tell others of it. Uh, we got an e-bulletin come out. Don't forget Saturday that we have the drive through craft pickup for the kids, the birdhouse. Um, so neat. Of course you want to get one of these birdhouses. I think they're so cool. And, um, and the kids will enjoy doing that and painting them and uh, marking them up and all that. And then also the drive through prayer. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. Uh, we want to be available to you. So hopefully you can, you can come out on Saturday, 10 o'clock to noon. And in the meantime, the Lord bless you. Call us if you need anything. And have a great evening and a great holiday weekend coming up. God bless you.